Welcome to the news and why it matters. I am Sarah Gonzalez, joined today by a bunch of nerds talking about Star Trek. <laughs> I'm not talking about Star Trek. <laughs> so much Thanks, so Chuck. <laughs> that we were like, uh, I, I wondered if you guys were going to stop talking when the cameras rolled. I never stopped. Like, I will not end a sentence halfway through about Star Trek. I, w- I will not leave scotch unfinished, and I will not finish a sentence uh, involving Star Trek. <laughs> Didn't we have a, a Star Trek question or something we the other did. day? We were saving it for Pat Gray sure. because Pat's. I Is thought Pat, Pat a big Star Trek fan. Oh, you got to have him on. I'll have him on. Absolutely. Yeah. We have a thing called Alienating the Audience. It's, it's oh, a segment yeah. I do regularly where I just invite people on to talk about Star Trek. Yeah. Oh, my God. He's like 100%. Yeah. Would be the, he would love that segment. Your oh, show God. hijacked. As a- <laughs> <laughs> Come on, everybody. We're going to go to my show to talk about Star Trek. The patriarchy over here hijacking my show. Stu, top story. Uh, let's talk about the, uh, the, the wonderful new thing in New Zealand where they've been able, to, been able to pass massive gun legislation in only six days, which shows how wonderful their country is. Mm. All right, Jason. Um, we talked about this this this, this morning. Uh, extreme injustice going on uh, with our veterans and our military men, as far as how the uh, military justice system works versus our own. Andrew. I mean, I feel like I should discuss Star Trek, shouldn't I? After that buildup, but uh, no. But no, I will. In fact, I'm going to talk about Kristen Gillibrand, uh, Gillibrand and Pilts. Oh, all right. Lots to get into there, but first we want to thank our sponsor, American Financing. So the top reason that you want to do business with American Financing is because that they refuse to do business with Stu. I didn't. I wouldn't say they refused. They just <laughs> said, "Hey, uh, idiot! If you're going to take that kind of loan, we're not going to give that to you." But they want to give. They had lots of good deals they wanted to offer. My my credit I rating drops. I prefer to focus on the fact that they didn't want to do business. Okay, thank with you. Yeah, my my credit rating drops every time I'm on the show with Stu. Really? <laughs> yeah, it's this weird thing. I actually have to tell my accountant not to watch the show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, they actually. I, I, when I was buying my house, I went to them and about. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of an obsessive, uh, you know, stat nerd, as you may know. Uh, so I went to like 10 different places and they had that. Th- th- I was trying to get the best deal for my kind of crazy option that I wanted to do. And uh, I got it down to one, only one of the 10 would actually do it. Um, and American Financing w- had a much more responsible uh, mortgage option, which was by far the best deal of all the other ones. And, I, you know, I, I kind of wanted to do this crazy thing. Will Guido break your legs? Uh, yes. Yeah, you, okay. I will be. I do have some, you know, some serious uh, repercussions if I don't make payments, <laughs> but whatever. Um, but they actually, it was interesting because I went to them and I said, look, uh, you know, I kind of thinking I might want to take this one. Can you guys do that? And they're like, well, we can't do that. If you really want that, you should take it from them, uh, you know, because that's the way they deal with you. I, I, I honestly found that, you know, because I bothered them with pestering with all sorts of questions. But I mean, you know, who, what, what business can you go to and say, hey, I have these other businesses with their options. Which one do you think is best? And they said, yeah, you know what, uh, for th- what you're looking for, I think that one's best, and it's not them. Yeah. Like, that's the type of people they are, and, and you know, of course, they know all the details about the business. They can answer your questions, and they can do it responsibly. Uh, so I had a great experience with them. So if you want to, uh, to do all of that responsibly, mm-hmm. unlike Stu here, you can go to AmericanFinancing.net, or you can call 800-906-2440. Go to Guido. He's under the 17th Street Bridge. You don't want to do that. <laughs> don't, don't do that. Okay. Uh, New Zealand is getting lots of praise today because, uh, you know what? They acted. Mm. We have shootings here, and what do we do? Nothing. What do they do there? Immediately they act. They got something done. That's how it's supposed to work, as you know. In fact, look at how much they got done. Uh, the New, uh, New Zealand weapon ban, they got all military semi-automatic weapons ban. Now, I don't know what that is exactly. Jason, as a military person, maybe you can educate us on what a military yeah. semi-automatic weapon is. What they classify as a military semi-automatic weapon, it was actually a civilian weapon. Mm. Uh, it was designed to be a civilian weapon. And the, they, the military was like, hey, that's kind of cool. Can we use that? So Armalite 
rifle actually said, yeah, here, here's a schematic if you pay us a ton of money. So it's a civilian weapon. Um, also, the way they classify that is by certain attachments or characteristics like pistol grips, yeah. stuff like that, mm-hmm. which could mean anything. Yeah. There's, there's literally hunting shotguns that have those characteristics. And there are technical definitions that are in, in, in the middle of all of this. However, <clears throat> for almost every single person who's ever talked about it, is, is it scary looking or not? Is essentially yeah. a defining characteristic. Right. It doesn't look scary. Like, it doesn't look like I could watch Rambo and see it. Is it painted black? Yeah, <laughs> black is yeah, it's the big thing. Again, that's racist. Uh, next is... Uh, <laughs> Uh, assault rifles, they're gone too. Now, I don't know what the difference between an assault rifle and a military all, uh, military semi-automatic weapon is exactly. I mean, I guess, you know, you've got pistols and, and uh, you know, all, all sorts of things. And then you have a high-capacity magazine, which, again, I don't know exactly what the high capacity is. I guess high is sort of... Over 10, objective, but usually they go. Well, can I, I did see something from uh, our good friend Dana mm-hmm. Lash. Okay. And what she said was that they, they defined, in this case, they defined assault weapons as... Anything with a detachable mag and capable of holding more than five rounds. So high <laughs> so capacity six? Yeah. So that's pretty much all semi-automatic yeah. weapons. I mean, look, they basically you know, went through and banned um, you know, most guns that people would actually you know, use in their own uh, protection. Um, and they're being praised for this. And there's a couple of parts of this that I think are, are interesting. First of all, making decisions in emotional times is a bad idea. And, you know, we all know you don't go to the, I mean, looking at me, you might not know that I know, but you shouldn't go to grocery stores when you're hungry, right? Like, that's not a good time to do that. Um, You know, making decisions we saw with the Patriot Act uh, was probably not a good idea. But think about, take it even more specifically, if one gun is used in a really bad way, you ban all the weapons. I mean, think about that with a Muslim doing a terrorist attack. Mm-hmm. The, the, should we just round up all the Muslims because one Muslim did, did something wrong? Well, of course the answer to that is no. That's an insane approach. Um, we'd be getting rid of a lot of Muslims that were doing nothing wrong, people who are legal citizens doing everything right. And that's the same thing that's happening with guns here. They're taking away you know, uh, thousands and thousands of weapons from people who didn't do anything wrong with them. Um, and you know, that is a really bad precedent. You're never going to make a good decision. Take your time. You know, this is why we have the Second Amendment, and thank God we do. This is why we have a Constitution that slows the process, doesn't speed it up. People get, uh, you know, it's, it's, you're supposed to put the brakes on a democracy, essentially. We want to make sure we're making decisions in sober times rather than making them in emotional times. It's the same reason we don't have, uh, you know, 20 minutes after um, a driver runs over somebody's daughter, we don't have the dad dish out punishment. Yeah. That's, that's not a sensible way to do it because that's an emotional time and you don't make uh, good uh, decisions at emotional times. Um, so I think that praise is really disturbing um, uh, to me because you know, you're going down a road where that is what our country seems to want, faster, faster, faster. Um, and, and when you're talking about overturning a major principle, um, you probably don't want to go down that road. Um, and, I, and they're doing it so quickly, really, and, and with so much praise, it makes me nervous. And, and at a time when uh, gun violence really wasn't at, a, at any kind of catastrophic rise in New Zealand, the last time they had a, a mass shooting was, I believe, in 1990. So it's been a long yeah. time since they've had anything even comparable to it. Right. Um, but uh, it's the same yeah. thing that happened in Australia. Or, uh, Australia. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing that happened in the U.K., one of these uh, types of uh, you know, scenarios, and then they go full bore grabbing the guns. And actually in Australia, 
they did, I think they did both a buyback and confiscation program. They got about a million guns. Uh, since that time, well over a million guns have re-entered into the stream. Uh, so it really did nothing. And it did not cut murder rates at all um, in, in, in those scenarios. And it won't do anything here. Remember, New Zealand had, you, if you live in New Zealand, you have about four, I think it's 4.3 times as likely to be killed in a mass shooting than you are in the United States. Uh, that's just a fact because, you know what, yes, they've only had two. It's not even true that they've only had two mass shootings. They count the one in 1990 as the most recent one, but there's been multiple five, six, and seven type of you know, situations where people have been shot over the years. But, I mean, even if you take out, uh, we talked about this the other day, even if you take out the, the most recent um, 50 people dying in a mass shooting, you're still over twice as likely to be shot uh, in New Zealand and the United States uh, than in the United States in a mass shooting. Um, and I think like maybe the most disturbing part about all of this is – you are giving control of your laws to a murderous white supremacist. They had chances to pass these laws in sober times when they were considering it without emotion. And instead, they've basically handed control of their government over to this guy who, because of his actions, they've changed the laws of, you know, people, you know, millions of people in New Zealand and their ability to own something that they were using uh, within legal bounds. Uh, So that is a a really bad precedent and not something that you, and no one would design. You know, you don't want to make laws based on these things. You want to make laws in times where you're carefully considering them because if not, you're, you're likely to go over the line and, and take rights away from people who don't deserve those rights to be taken away. It's so dishonest uh, to, only with, uh, sh- uh, when you have mass, uh, when you have a mass killing, the only time they label it anything beyond a mass killing is when guns are involved. Then it's a mass shooting. Mm-hmm. If it's anything else, they just call it a mass killing. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, the, the, the worst mass killing in the past three or four years didn't have guns to do with it at all. It was the Nice-Bastille attack in, uh, in mm-hmm. France. Uh, I think around 86 people killed, over 400 people wounded. But they didn't call it a, uh, you know, a mass trucking. They, they, they didn't call it that yep. because that is ridiculous. They also didn't call, as you pointed out on radio, for all of the trucks to be rounded up and... I, I mean, and, and that and that's been said before, um, but it's it points out how ridiculous this is. We don't blame the truck. We're not going to go, you know, rounding up all the trucks. Even if they did, it's not going to stop people from jumping in other cars and running people over and killing them. Um, I, I, and I find it to be really important to point out that the everyone looks at that 1990 shooting and says they made those changes and they didn't have one until 2019 they're a country of less than 5 million people like of course they're having less frequent mass shootings than we are of course but they did have shootings all throughout uh, mass shootings all throughout that period as well multiple and even if you were to take i think the stat is if you were to take out the 50 that were shot in this most recent shooting and the 14 from 1990 there you're still 6% more likely uh, to be uh, killed in a mass shooting in New Zealand than you are here. So did that work? Did that, I mean, you know, if they got rid of that shooting, uh, the, all the guns back then, did it work? I mean, I think the answer to that is clearly no. And when you look at other options that are kind of tossed out there, like Australia, you point out, which would be the equivalent of taking like a hundred million guns off the street in this country if we did it just at the percentage. Um, you know, New Zealand before this had a gun ownership rate to population of about 25%. We're over a hundred percent. So you're talking about totally massive changes and it's so revealing you know you you always get to see the real opinion about guns when another country has one of these incidents because they all say look what they did look what they did we should do what they did well what they did is something that is so far unconstitutional that we can't even consider it and beyond that it would be a cut down of what 90 percent of the guns Mm -hmm. uh, in in our society that's what they really want um they they just they can't say that here they don't propose that here 
but they admire it. They admire it uh, with longing eyes. Yeah. Libertarian Andrew. Uh, well, I, and this is this is where I falter a little bit. Although I, I agree with you in, in terms of the procedural take on this, that you know, basically, like dead kids make bad laws. That's not the time you want to do things mm-hmm. in a methodical way. But I, I'm just kind of curious because you guys are clearly, you know, very pro Second Amendment. Mm-hmm. Um, is there an outer bounds to what kind of weapons you would have regulated or pro- uh, prohibited by the government? Like, would you like, like, in, in, in one of the articles I read, I think this year in, in Australia, somebody turned in a rocket launcher or a grenade launcher or something like that. Like, would you want those to be legal? Like, I, mm-hmm. I, like, I think you have the, the right to defend yourself, and I, I think you have the right to own a gun. But I, where, where I start to get into the gray zone is like, I don't really want you having a gun that can kill tons of people. Um, that's that's kind of the, the the thing for me. Is it is this like a you know one on one type thing, or, or something where it does have a limited magazine, or is it designed like I could go wipe out thirty people? Like that kind of thing bugs me. So is there a bright line you have for the outer edge of this? I mean, there's a, there's a constitutional line, you know, Scalia outlined, uh, which you know to boil it down is a can you carry it right? Like that's a big part of it. B does it does it does the explosion happen in your hands? For a lack of a return, you're firing something that's blowing up uh, across the street. Uh, usually, that's something that is not, as opposed to a gun, you know, a bullet being fired from your actual gun in your hands. Um, you know, those are the types of lines. But I mean, again, you know, how many people died in that in in, in the truck uh, Paris incident? I mean, thirty people. I mean, we're going to have to ban a lot of stuff, right? Like, I don't know. There's some number, right? Where pragmatically, I'm not saying constitutionally, but pragmatically, we all would hope that if you have one psycho, they can't do too much damage, right? But I mean, you're, you're, I mean, you're doing a lot here. Like, for example, one of the mass deaths, uh, there was a bunch of mass uh, killings in New Zealand in this period. Most of them were mass shootings. There are a few, like one was a fire. Someone intentionally set a fire, a fire and killed a bunch of people in a fire. Well, that's a really good way to kill a bunch of people if you can, uh, if you can pull that off, right? You can't ban fire. It's going to be very difficult. Um, you're never going to be able to get to that line, I think. Um, I, I happen to be, I would say, largely an extremist in this society when it comes to this, and that I think the, uh, the automatic weapons ban is completely unconstitutional, and the reasoning behind it is, is awful. Uh, Breyer's d- uh, dissent on the Heller case outlines this pretty well in that you know, he says, because it, it comes to get down to common use is the way that they did it. Okay, if you, you know, any gun that's in common use is something that people should be able to use. Well, what does common use mean? If every new weapon came out, could they ban it immediately because it hasn't been in common use yet? Breyer goes through that, and it's a very circuitous reasoning. Um, as much as I appreciate the Heller case, I don't think it went far enough. And frankly, I think the reasoning behind it is a little bit of a, it was the Supreme Court's way of saying, like, look, we don't really want to do the automatic weapons thing, but we're here. So here's our kind of in-between sort of parsing to make it seem uh, as if uh, we, you know, we can get the gun rights that we think is our constitutional without scaring the hell out of people. Um, because I do think to, to get rid of automatic weapons, that they also should have been, uh, they should have amended the Constitution to do that. And that may be something that America wants to do. Um, you know, certainly not popular weapons, um, but I, I do think that they're, again, shall not be infringed is pretty darn clear. And so, like, if you're going to break that, you better figure out, you know, what you're doing with a, a real basis. I don't think you can just kind of go around the fringes like we tend to do. Although, it, I mean, I have to say this kind of a, like, I'm, I'm very much an original, originalist when it comes to constitutional interpretation. And uh, D.C. versus Heller, I think, is kind of one of uh, Scalia's, who I, I have like a dashboard saying of Scalia. I love him as I a jurist. Mm-hmm. But I think he kind of stumbled there because he, from what I could tell, he went, oh, that isn't very clear, but I like guns, and kind of swung in. That's, that's yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of what I'm saying. Like, I I think Breyer's dissent in that, and I'm not a Breyer fan by any Wouldn't means, think, yeah. but yeah, he, he, that is a really good point. I mean, the idea, like, honestly, like, I'm surprised this doesn't happen more often, that, that liberal states, every single time a new weapon of any change comes out, they could just ban it. 
in theory, it would, they would not be in common use, and therefore uh, they could be banned because they're really the only weapons that are protected under Heller are those weapons of common use for those particular purposes. I don't think that's a good way of doing it. I think you're right. I think they tried to find a line that was that worked within our you know sort of new understanding of these things uh, while still protecting the fundamental right that was there. I would have rather seen them go further. You know, if you want to get rid of automatic weapons, you want to do those things, do them. There, are, there's a suit in Texas uh, last year that attempted to overturn the automatic weapon thing, and it was not successful. But you know, in my crazy extremist position, I think it should be. All right, back in a minute. I'm already saw it as an experience. Oh yeah, I know. All this talk about uh, guns and banning guns and all of that. Well, let's talk about iTarget Pro because that is not being banned. (laughs) Yes, that's the funny thing. Not even in New Zealand. Not even in New Zealand. They're still keeping it on board. Now, you got to have a gun to operate iTarget Pro. Yeah, but, well, this is funny because I keep talking about you know Scalia and Breyer and the Heller decision, and and yet I'm not really a gun guy at all. Like I mean, I you know, it's not like I'm down at the range at all. I mean, I occasionally will do. I do have weapons. You're more of a protection. switchblade fella. Yes, I yeah. do. I do like throwing switchblades. <laughs> yeah. um, but this is a great thing for people like me who don't necessarily go don't go to the range all the time and like aren't, don't necessarily like love shooting guns. Um, but you need to be good at them if God forbid you ever have to use them in a protection situation. Well, yeah, because especially I think I'm similar to you in that I don't I don't typically go out and just shoot all the time. Yeah. But the reason that I have the gun is in case someone enters my home, I can protect mm-hmm. myself. You definitely need to get it right that time. Yeah. Right? In yep. that moment, mm-hmm. you need to make sure you get it right. Um, with iTarget Pro, you can do this. As you can see from this video, those of you who are watching on TV, um, it's literally a laser bullet. It is. It's, it's, it says it right in the package. Yeah, was there an, a Blaze office field trip to this place? Is that what that was? <laughs> they, came, they came here. Oh, they okay. came here. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was out in the hallway right there. Oh. So, um, look, range fees, ammunition, or, uh, ammo fees, ammo costs, this is going to pay for itself, and you can train at home in your living room. You, set, you download the app. You set it up so it tracks your progress, so you know that you're making progress. Make it like a little fun family game. Bring the kids in. Be like, let's all just practice shooting, kids. And then it pays for itself because you're not going to the range. Go to itargetpro.com. Get 10% off plus free shipping with promo code NEWS. And I would just like to point out for the record once again, that does say laser bullets. (laughs) It does. Just making it clear, Pat Gray. (laughs) All right, Jason. Um, I didn't even hear about this story. It completely took me off guard. And I'm pretty, I'm ashamed that I haven't heard this story because it's been out for about a month, I think. Stu, you might have heard about this. Maybe you have, Andrew. Um, but it's the story of Chief Eddie Gallagher. So he's a uh, former SEAL. He's now retired, uh, spent 19 years uh, in the Navy, did eight tours, combat tours, um, all over Afghanistan, Iraq, all over. Um, he has the uh, Bronze Star uh, with Combat V times two, decorated, went to fought, fight for us eight times, but now he's being charged with war crimes. Now, let me just start off with uh, saying that I don't know if he's guilty of these or not. Um, that's not really, that's not really why I'm so mad at the moment. Um, but, um, I I will say that a lot of times war crimes, uh, are, are overturned and you find out later that it was just a bunch of hooey, Mm -hmm. um, that some like the the technical legal term. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah, totally. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's, it's, it's one of the, it's one of the things now that it's one of the, I guess one of the, I think this, this will be a good, uh, we'll agree, uh, I I think, uh, in this stance. 
or you'll agree with me on this, is that it's one of the reasons why being sent out as a police force is not a good thing. Because we tend to uh, expect our warfighters to act as policemen, which they're not. Their job is to seek out and kill the enemy. Yeah. And sometimes uh, accidents happen, and there are people out there that you know are a little bit too trigger happy, excuse the pun, on um, are going after our, our troops to prove to the rest of the world that we're behaving like good gentlemen. And they jump the gun a little bit, and they charge people for war crimes. Um, but anyway, that's a, that's a tangent. Um, focus, Jason. Focus. I'm focusing. So, so Chief Gallagher, uh, is, he's been in a, a military detention facility. He's been there for over six months. He's uh, not been convicted of a crime. There's just been an accusation against him on this crime. This was one of his officers, and uh, uh, I think it was the assistant officer in charge uh, to his commander, um, who said that he saw him kill an ISIS detainee, um, a, a, mur- a murder an ISIS detainee, and also did a few other things like endangering his team and a bunch of other things. But they're just accusations from this one guy. Uh, supposedly there's a, a whole group of his teammates that ha- are backing Chief Gallagher saying, look, he didn't do any of those things. This is being taken out of context and misconstrued. But he's been in this prison for over six months. Now, they didn't know where to put him in this place. So for six months, he's been in the child molestation ward in this, in this place. He's had restricted access to food, restricted access to medical care, restricted access to his legal team. So he ha- for six months, he hasn't even really been able to strategize the defense of him, which he's saying he's completely innocent of this. He will not actually get his day in court for another few months, I think May 28th is his actual day in court. So it'll be around over nine months mm-hmm. by the time he finally steps foot into a courtroom. Now, if this was a civilian case, the ACLU would be losing their minds. <laughs> we would all be losing our minds. This is absolutely unconstitutional what's happening to him. But because it's a military guy under the Uniform Code of Military Justice, the UCM, UCMJ, then we just look the other way and don't even think about it. Now, this junk... I wish I could say another word, is happening a lot. But people don't even think about it because apparently it's, it's, it almost acts like another government. Yeah. Like they can really just do whatever they, the heck they want with them. But this is, this is absurd. Um, Congressman Crenshaw uh, wrote a letter to the Secretary of the Navy. Um, I think he submitted it today. He had 17 co-signers onto this saying, look, we, we're not saying that this guy should be absolved of any crimes because he hasn't even been charged. You know, he hasn't stood, had his day in court, yeah. so we don't know. But we're just saying that this is wrong, what's being happened to him. We would not stand for this in any other case. And I agree. This is absolutely ridiculous. This case needs to be looked into, and the entire system in general and how they handle these cases needs to be looked into. It's pretty insane that you can go and serve our country and protect us, and somehow you get less rights when you're accused of something. Is, is, exactly is, is, right. that, is that standard procedure? I mean, like, it's kind of baked into our whole civilizational model that you're innocent until proven guilty. I don't know military law, though. I mean, is, for some reason, is that reversed when you're in the military, where you're until otherwise released? Is that is that standard? Well, they can do whatever they want, really. I mean, your life is not yours, really, at that point. They can they can take anything away from you or give you stuff. But, I mean, it's it's the UCMJ. It's a completely different animal. So it's... it's I don't know. It's, it's, it's absolutely... I mean, I, I understand how they need to have a, a few different set of rules to keep, like, chain of command, and it's just... It's different. Sure. Different situations and scenarios. But when, it, when you've been charged of an actual crime... You know, like a crime that would stand also, you know, it would put you in prison, you know, if you weren't in the military. I don't know. They, uh, there's got to be some kind of, 
I don't know. I don't know how they would do it. There's got, there's got to be equal standards for how they treat their detainees. Right? He, sh- he shouldn't even be there anymore. He's, I don't know if they. Well, the, I, the other I, thing, does he does he waive a right to a speedy trial if he's in the military? Because I don't I don't know what the what the the limit is in civilian courts, but I think it's like six months or something. Where if they don't like tackle it within that time, like you're good to go. Yeah. Like, like it, that doesn't exist in the military context. I, I never signed anything that said that, but there could. But who knows? There's a huge pamphlet on UC, you yeah. know, Uniform Code of Military Justice that no one reads. <laughs> Maybe it says something in there. It, it probably does, but I just don't see how it's how we stand for that. It's just completely unconstitutional. Always read the terms and conditions. <laughs> <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Andrew, tell everyone where they can find your show, Something's Off with Andrew Heaton. Hello, friends and neighbors. <laughs> if you go on the internet and look for Something's Off with Andrew Heaton, me, you can get funny, thoughtful podcasts on the regular, in fact, on a daily basis, Monday through Friday. Today, we had a whole hour uh, talking about North Korea. Yesterday, the presidency. It's fun stuff. You should check it out. Uh, also, really quickly, Jason and I are filling in for Steve Dace tomorrow Ooh. once again. Uh, what is that, 12 Eastern? So you can tune in on Blaze TV and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you guys in overtime. I, I mean, sure, I'm on multiple podcasts too, but let's not get Up next, enjoy bonus overtime content from the news and why it matters. Available exclusively for podcast listeners and Blaze TV subscribers. Not a subscriber? Start your free trial at blazetv.com. All right, Andrew, tell us about uh, Gillibrand and Pills. We're going to talk about Kirsten Gillibrand and Pills. So Kirsten Gillibrand is one of the 500 people running for president on the Democratic ticket right now. (laughs) And she... uh, I'm not going to say authored legislation, or I guess she did, but she tweeted about it yesterday. And can we we pull that up? What was more important than the actual legislation is the tweet about the The, legislation. We're we're, we're rapidly... That is how you announce policy. We're going to put tweets into the Constitution (laughs) at some point. I saw some joke about, like, if if the president vetoes, then the House retweets. Um, (laughs) So Senator Kirsten Gillibrand, she said, if we want to end the opioid epidemic, we must work to address the root causes of abuse. That's why Senator Cory Gardner, who's a Republican from Colorado, and I introduced legislation to limit opioid prescriptions for acute pain to seven days because no one needs a month's supply for wisdom tooth extraction. Great, because I love to get my medical advice from senators. Okay. Um, that's like, I, I could be wrong, but I'm th- I think she has about as much medical training as I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I should not be determining how many pills you get. I, I 100% shouldn't. I'd definitely overdo it. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but all the same, I shouldn't be in it. And the, the, I think kind of the, the, the crux of this issue here is the, the regulatory element of the, the government knows what's best for you. I, I think a different conversation and a conversation that I'm more willing to have is how do we get more people on health care? Typically, libertarians and conservatives want to figure out ways to reduce prices, make the, make the market more accessible to people. Um, and there's lots of ways we could do that because um, in, in case you're unaware of this, the, the medical industry is one of the most heavily regulated industries in the United States. That and finance, the two things that uh, progressives most complain about being underregulated are the most regulated things. A lot of hospitals, a lot of the time, you can't open up a new hospital unless the other hospitals agree there's a need for one, which is insane. Wow. Uh, imagine if, like, restaurants operated that way. Yeah. We wouldn't have very many restaurants because, weirdly enough, uh, when you give, you know, I, I'm going to go off on a tangent there. My, my point is that if we're getting into conversations about, uh, you know, maybe we should have vouchers or maybe we should, you know, prune back regulation or have, you know, uh, insurance cross straight lines, those are, I think, good conversations. When we get into the government knows better than you and your doctor, that's a whole different ballpark that we're getting into and one that I find very alarming because I, like, pick 
there's, there's definitely a president I've not liked at some point in my life. You're probably the same way. There's a lot of senators I don't like, and I don't want them involving themselves. Uh, and then with, with this one, I don't think that she's looking at the actual stats or the facts either. Yeah. Um, the, the opioid crisis, um, the actual amount of opioids that are prescriptioned have, has fallen by, I think, 30% over the last, since 2010. So it's, it's already happening. They're already prescribing less. But at the same time, the amount of opioid users has doubled. Now, part of that is because whenever we restrict this, we just shove people into the black market. And so if the goal is to make ourselves feel better and wash our hands of this problem and, and send people to heroin dealers who are not being as exact with their doses as a doctor, then go for it. But I, I think that the, the cure is going to be worse than the, the problem as it is. So I, I wish they'd quit tinkering. Yeah, I mean, the people, gen generally speaking, are not dying from the prescription opioids. They're, they're, they're dying from the fentanyl they're getting when they're trying to get, because they can't get the prescription opioids anymore. Right. I mean, I think we really have come to that place where um, we saw this as a, it was a really, it was an increasing problem. Uh, the pathway to it is is typically summarized as, you know, you, got, you get some medicine for your back and then you get addicted and then this is what happens. That is not the pathway for 99% of, I don't know if I want to say 99, but it's some very high percentage of people who actually wind up overdosing. It's, it's, it's almost all illegal drug use. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not that idea that, that that could happen. It does occasionally happen and does happen to people, but it's, it's actually a pretty rare pathway for these incidents. And I think what happened was as, these, as the deaths uh, really ramped up, we all appropriately freaked out to try to figure out what the heck's going on, and now our good intentions have overwhelmed the idea where some doctors, like the most recent uh, guidance on, on opioids, give a, 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 a kind of an inclination to doctors to not prescribe them at all. Like, you shouldn't ever prescribe them. And that is not what it actually says, but many doctors have read it that way, and they, won't, they don't want any part of it. So people who can really benefit from, from these things, and it's not just seven days for wisdom tooth. It, people are on these things sometimes for years and years and years and years. Oxycontin was like that for people who have chronic pain every single day that need it. Um, and, and need it for very long periods of time sometimes. Um, and that doesn't mean that everybody uses it right. We know that people wind up selling these things. They went after the sort of pill mills many years ago um, to try to cut down on this. But the bottom line is, like, you know, now they're so, they're so vilified that these things that actually are advancements in medicine, I mean, you know, uh, OxyContin in particular was an advancement that basically said you can get pain relief without killing your liver with constant gigantic doses of, you know, of Tylenol and, and, and aspirin or your stomach with aspirin. So that was able to get those through that. Now, it's very specific circumstances it needed to be used. But for people who had massive pain over long periods of time, this was really the only thing that could help them. Uh, and now people are afraid to prescribe it to people who really need it. And, you know, and it's typical, right? The pendulum swing one, swing one, right. swings one way and it swings the other. And I think that's what's happened with this. I do also find it interesting, um, you know, you made a comment that the government needs to intervene um, instead of just letting the patient and the doctor have that relationship. You know, we don't hear that from them when it comes to issues like abortion. Um, when it comes to abortion, they say yeah. that's a decision that between the patient and the, you know, the doctor. That's a decision between the woman oh. and her doctor. How dare the government try to step in and get in the middle of a decision between a woman and her doctor? <laughs> the right? one case they become like, you know, the most like <laughs> government hands off. Of right. and, and like, and well, yeah. When we were when we were trying to argue, <laughs> hey, maybe we don't want to pay for your birth control. Like we don't yeah. think birth control should be free. You know, the who? How dare you? Yeah. You, you can't come into my bedroom. That's a decision between me and my doctor. 
And right. now all of a sudden it's like, well, we really need to step in. We don't really trust the doctors. You can make it between you and your doctor. We don't want to be in the middle of it. Like, I don't want to be paying for it. That's right, all we're right, saying. You right. can have as much, you can like, you know, decorate your entire house with birth control if you want. I, I just don't want to be paying for it. I mean, I actually kind of have a problem with that because that's weird. That, that would be a little odd. I, I, I would check out your birth control house. Seems probably a cool party occasionally. Yeah, check it out. I think Quagmire has that house. Okay, oh my gosh. Uh, all right. Kellyanne Conway. Oh my gosh, I feel so sorry for this woman constantly being put in the middle of the, the battle going on between her boss, President Trump, and her husband. So I don't know if you guys saw what George Conway initially tweeted, but you know he's always bashing Trump online, which is really the place where you want to be bashing Trump publicly when you know that your wife works for him, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you want everyone to see this. Um, but you know, he always accuses him of being mentally unfit. He made a comment that uh, you know he has narcissism and narcissistic personality disorder. Congratulations, Mr. President, great job. So President Trump tweeted back, George Conway, often referred to as Mr. Kellyanne Conway, ouch, by those who know him, is very jealous of his wife's success and angry that I, with her help, didn't give him the job he so desperately wanted. I barely know him, but just take a look. A stone-cold loser and husband from (laughs) hell. Oh my gosh, that's so awkward. So then... Um, I, th- I bet you that was just the quietest lunch break over at the, uh, the yeah. White House when, when Kellyanne Conway came to was like, so we played tennis lately? Like no one wants to talk about it? Yeah, no, probably. But I mean, it, it just gets crazier and crazier because she actually finally commented about it. She finally was asked and she actually made a comment about the relationship going on there. But she ended up defending President Trump <laughs> instead of her husband. Um, so she said that he left it alone For months. President Trump left it alone for months out of respect for me. But you think he shouldn't respond when somebody, a non-medical professional, accuses him of having a mental disorder? You think he should just take that sitting down? (laughs) What is is a family dinner like? Uh, yeah, household. but they go through a lot of plates. Oh yeah, that's my that's my <laughs> guess. I don't think there are any plates left at this point. <laughs> it's oh. it, it's either uh, highly contentious or going exactly as planned. Yeah, I, I don't. Distracted the media this. again, darling. Yes, I don't. I don't know. I. I I, think I, Kelly, love, I love the conspiracy theory. Are you going down this road? Because I, I love I think so. I, it was, I don't want to be hit with another conspiracy theory, so you take it from so here. So I'll take it from here, yeah. <laughs> okay. um, Alex Jones. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, no, I mean, the, the idea here is uh, there. if you believe this uh, particular strain of thought that I'm sure Jason does, uh, is I think, I think it's a legit possibility. You want to talk about a real... Washington power couple. It's a couple that's positioned to, no matter what happens with this presidency, yes. whether it flames out or succeeds wildly, they're both in great... The family is in a great position. Wow. Because if it wins, Kellyanne's the golden girl and then, if, you know, then so what? He's over there tweeting. Who cares? If it loses, George Conway is the golden boy. Yeah. And so, and either one of them can always be, you know what? My husband finally convinced me that, that, that you know what? All that time, they're in position to be in making a million dollars in that town for how long? Because they're always be one half of the family that is going to be uh, very much desired. I like that. I don't know that it's real. I mean, it's the only thing that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, if you, it's true. I mean, if you remember the last time this happened, she was doing like this uh, profile of her for uh, like the the style (laughs) section. My favorite. (laughs) And she and she was talking about her husband. I can't remember. Maybe you'll remember the exact quote, but she said something like, you know. I mean, it's just, it's just disrespectful what he's doing. It's disrespectful, uh, according to a source close to, to the family. 
and, and, and the reporter's like, wait, Kellyanne, like, you didn't say it was off record. I can't say, I'm not going to say now that it's a source close to the family. She's like, well, I mean, you should. I, I, she, like, got I caught. No, it worked that way. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, she legitimately got caught by the reporter, and all of this was in the text. Like, she was bashing him behind closed doors. I don't know that I feel as sorry for her as you do. Um, and I, I, you know, I don't feel bad. I honestly I feel bad for her. Yeah. I just feel like it's it's a very awkward position to be in. It is. It's it's incredibly awkward. And I will say, like, I think her point is completely valid when it comes to Trump. I mean, Trump, look, yeah. I, I'm not a fan of Trump on, on a lot of things, but, like, the idea that he can't respond when someone's calling him mentally deranged publicly, like, of course he can if he wants to. Whether it's a good idea to elevate a guy like George Conway is, is another situation. I don't know why he would think that was a priority. But, you know, he certainly has the right. Like, I, I don't think I don't think he's doing anything wrong there after he's being attacked like that. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, I think the, the presidency has gotten so huge and powerful and like quasi mystical mm-hmm. that I it is my fervent hope that Donald Trump winds up being the chemotherapy for the White House that at the end of it, we're like, maybe the president's not our dad. Maybe the president is just a bureaucrat. That's what I hope happens as a result of this oh, kind of I thing. I love that. All right, today's uh, The Blaze Why comment. Remember, you can be tweeting us your questions, comments. If you want to ask really super personal, private uh, information to Stu, he loves it when people ask very private questions. I do. You can tweet us <laughs> using the hashtag The Blaze Why. We've got a couple today. Uh, Marianne said, Can someone explain to me how you can be anti establishment and socialist? Uh, no. no. <laughs> the answer is yeah, no. I think that's no. kind of tough. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> but we see your point. We see, we see your point. <laughs> um, that's a great point. And then I don't. I, I don't have who sent. There it is. Three hundred pound gorilla says <laughs> it's a picture of Napoleon Dynamite. Fifteen years later. Oh my god. Oh my gosh! It's Leto. That's it funny. Is. That's good. The resemblance is uncanny, that's and I had funny. never noticed that before. Weird. The mouth is the, is the key. Yeah. The mouth. Mm-hmm. Well, but the nose, too. Kind of. Mm-hmm. And also, did you see Napoleon Dynamite, how he danced? Mm-hmm. Beto has those, the limp noodle yes. arms and stuff, too. <laughs> yes, very so. much. This is, someone's put something together. There's some really good conspiracy theory. theories today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then yesterday's poll, which current Democratic presidential candidate has the best shot at beating Trump in 2020? 46% said Bernie Sanders. Ugh. 24% said Robert Francis, good old Bob Frank. 23% said Kamala, and 7% said Cory Booker. <laughs> Corey, yeah. So Cory's polling Corey, better uh, in our Blaze poll than he is. How's John Hickenlooper doing? How's my, how's my boy out of Colorado? Is he doing okay? Um, he had an interesting well, evening last night. Did you see this? Yes. Yes. What did he do? Uh, he apparently attended an X-rated movie, Deep Throat, with his mom. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's enough to disqualify you right off the, right off the bat for me. Like, you went to deep throat <laughs> that, no, with your that, mom. That no. tells me he's no. all, like, okay, hear me out here. Oh, God. He might have what it takes to fight Trump. If he's doing weird stuff like that, like <laughs> that, he might be the guy. Maybe they could do a debate during an X-rated movie. Like, in the background, at a theater, there's just porn in the background be, as they're debating. Pee Wee Herman would, would be the moderator. <laughs> yeah. The, entire thing. the weird yeah. thing is he put this in a book as if, like, why would you even put this in a book? Well, and then as he first acted time. so embarrassed when he was asked the question, like, well, why'd you oh, make it public, you dope? Yeah, but I don't even know why he would admit that anyway unless he thought that, that this would be like right? yeah if he thought of like hey I'm one of the guys I watched porn with my mom you know like we all do you know like, and then this backfired <laughs> that was a weird today's moment. yeah today's poll question do you approve of Donald Trump's call to recognize Israel's sovereignty over the Golan Heights 
What do you guys think? Oh, yeah, totally. Absolutely. I, yes. I, again, a, uh, I'm sure I Andrew's I, I don't, I don't know enough about it, to be honest with you. Uh, I, I don't I can. Say, yeah. If you've been to the... That's close, though. Yeah, yeah I was saying, <laughs> it's either I don't know, or, you know what, I'm going to be the one guy who's going to say the opposite. Uh, <laughs> I don't I think do it here. exists. I just don't <laughs> think the Golden Heights is real. I think it's a, a farce. <laughs> there are consequences for... Uh, Every basically every single nation in the in the region attacking you, you lose territory. They lost that territory. Israel took it. There's nothing wrong with that. That's what happens in war. If you don't, if you don't, if you're not prepared to to face the consequences, you should engage in war and attack people and naked aggression. So they lost it. Also, if you ever go to the Golan Heights, you know that if whoever sits on top of the Golan Heights controls that entire area. So if Assad is sitting there. He can just rain down artillery all day long. They cannot give that away. They'll never give it up, so it's just inevitable. And they have it anyway. Like, they already have it. It's already right. theirs. Yeah. It's just the fact of recognizing right. it, which is recognizing the reality, just like Jerusalem, that it's their capital. It's, 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 it's already theirs. They already have it. They already have settlements there. It's, it's ridiculous it hasn't already been yeah. done. Um, I would like everyone to, to go back, rewind a little bit, and watch Jason's hands right there, because you just turned into Beto. Oh, was I doing that? Oh, my was gosh. Was I doing the... Yes, it was everywhere. Uh, I had a good thing, though, today on radio that we were talking about. The coolest way to watch a, a, a Beto, like, town hall or anything is to turn the volume down and play Everybody Was Kung Fu Fighting. It works perfectly. <laughs> it's in sync perfectly. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so weird. Uh, let us know at the Blazes Twitter what you think, and we'll see you guys tomorrow. No. In the middle of live radio. Like, oh, wait, let's do a radio experiment. Here, let me get on my Thanks for listening to the news and why it matters. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to watch the program, become a Blaze TV subscriber and start your free trial now at blazetv.com.